want to give a hearty good morning to everyone who is here this morning. It's encouraging to see you. I'm encouraged by your presence. If you're a visitor here and I didn't come by and say hello, that's because I'm a visitor as well. So it's good to have you here. And it's especially encouraging to the members here to have visitors. So we are thankful for your presence. Today we're going to be looking into God's Word. If you would be my friend this morning, if there's anything that I say or bring to you that you don't find in the Scripture, if you would be my friend and correct me. And um, before we get going, I, I started this sermon short, and I reckon I'll end it short as well. So let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel 7, that's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time this morning. We're going to be making some cross-references to some of the Psalms but the majority of what we're going to be looking at this morning is in 2 Samuel 7. There's an interesting lesson for us in there uh, from David, and we're just going to go ahead and read right through there and have a couple of breaks with some thoughts. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we start reading there in verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So let's analyze that right there. We're only three verses in, but there's already a lot to unpack. God has given David peace. He's given him physical blessings. And actually what David says here, even though it's out of line, I think it's a good example for us. Because how many times do we hear of the family or the individual who is struggling? And they're struggling either financially, they're struggling physically, and often these people, they turn to God. But then what happens with the opposite? All of a sudden, someone falls into a place of great social stature. They fall into money. They get power. Sometimes that turns them away from God. David here has everything. He has abundant physical blessings. It says right there in verse 2, I dwell in a house of cedar. He's given very high social status. The king. As Americans, we really don't grasp that concept. This entire nation was built on disrespect of the king. He's the king. And he's given peace from his enemies all around. That peace is such a desirable thing. We, we have a little prayer list going at the church back home in Charleston one of the number one things on that list is peace peace at work, peace in our personal lives, peace in our social lives, peace David is given peace and even though he has all these blessings, everything seems to be going just right and often this is the point where we it's make or break, sometimes people have these things and I don't need God anymore. But David's thinking about God. Now, he's thinking about it in the wrong way. No doubt about it. But still, his mind is on God. David wants to build a house for God. And 
I think it's obvious from this passage he means well, but he's approaching this situation in the wrong way. And then just to drive the point home, Nathan the prophet says, sounds good, man, go for it. Not so much. Let's keep reading. We'll continue reading 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4. We're going to go ahead and read all the way down to uh, verse 11. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in the house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from, follow, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they will dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously." Since the time that I have commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you, He will make you a house. God's got different plans. There's a quote in there that I love. God says, Would you build me a house to dwell in? Got a question for you. Is there anything that can contain God? Does God need a place to stay? A couch to crash on? You're going to build the almighty creator of heaven and earth a place to stay. How thoughtful. From the time of Egypt, he's been dwelling with the people of Israel in a tent and in a tabernacle, which is beautiful. When you think about it, wherever they've gone, he's gone. He didn't build for himself a permanent place in the promised land and then shout back to Egypt, hey, come find me. He's been with them. He's been with them this entire time. And furthermore, when he's talking to David, he says something even more personal in verse 9. David, I've been with you wherever you go. And then something even more special at the end of verse 11 oh David you'll build me a house no I will build you a house we'll come back to this we need to be diligent to do what God commands you know he asks when did I command you to build a temple that entire time you were wandering through the wilderness was there ever a time I came to any of you and said hey build me a house of cedar now David made a suggestion and from our human perspective, it sounded good. And maybe from a human perspective, we can square that circle. I'm living in this nice house. God is not. That doesn't seem right. But 
God had not commanded it. We need to be careful to study God's word, to examine what he's revealed to us through that word so that we can conduct ourselves as he would have us to live. I think anyone would agree that in our personal lives, making assumptions is dangerous. And then making assumptions about God's will? That's very dangerous. Would you please keep your fingers here, because we're going to be reading some more here in 2 Samuel 7. But in Psalms chapter 19, Psalms chapter 19, it speaks to this point a bit. Psalms 19 And let's look at verse 13. If you've got the New King James, then this passage will make a lot of sense. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Look at the heading there for that psalm, and notice who wrote that. David. And he says, keep me from presumptuous sin, from presuming what your will is. Other translations translate that as willful sin. Help, me, help to keep me from my own will. Help me to do yours. And I'm not really sure why it's so easy for us to see that played out in our, in our lives physically. Somebody says, I like coffee. We don't grab it caramel macchiato extra whip the next day and give it to him like hey man here you go heard you like coffee you might like this you know it's like we call them we text them we ask them what they like we figure out more we try to specify we try not to make assumptions did that person want that and what we do is we check with other people we find out what they really want oh and by the way God has done that for us, but it seems like we can't do that for him. And no, I didn't say that wrong. God has done that for us. He's done that investigating of us, and we can't do that for him. Please read with me in Psalms 139. Psalms 139, what a beautiful passage. It's absolutely one of my favorites. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And the rest of the passage goes on to describe exactly what that means. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. If you will humor me for just a second, because God takes no effort or time to do anything. He's God. But God has put forth the effort to look into you all the little things that make you tick and has seen what makes you, you. What you like, what you don't like, God has put forth the effort to know you exactly, but sometimes we don't do the same for him. We don't look into his word to know exactly what we, ha- what we should do. seems to be a little bit of an epidemic out in the world of people assuming they know what God wants just because it sounds good, looks good, feels good. 
They don't put their trust in God. And they don't trust that what he said is what he said, and that's it. It needs no addition. It needs no subtraction. Do you trust God? Back in 2 Samuel 7. Back in 2 Samuel 7, we'll pick up in verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rods of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. God is saying, that lineage which I promise you, I will establish it. And David, you want to build me a house? I will build you a house, David. I will establish your throne forever. If God's talking to you in that way, how do you respond to that? We see David's response in verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said... Who am I, O Lord God, that, and what is my house, that you have brought me this far? And yet it was a small thing for you in your sight, O Lord. You have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. There is none besides you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, like one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, and to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself a great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let, your house, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. And therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God. Your words are true. You have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it, with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. What more can you say? And David's response is, wow, what more can I say? 
In verse 20, that's literally his response. This chapter is interesting because this chapter starts with David desiring to build God a house. God spins it around on David and says, Oh, you'll build me a house? I'll build you a house. Verse 26. David's only offering is a prayer. Verse 28 is really what I want you to pay attention to. You have promised this goodness to your servant. The phrase before that is, Your words are true. Some of the older translations translate that as, Your words are trustworthy. Do you trust God? Do you really trust God? Do you trust his word? You can go ahead and leave Samuel or 2 Samuel 7. Go to Psalm 91 with me. Psalm 91. Let's read this chapter. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wing you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. Their hands, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I shall answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Those first two verses in that chapter, they conclude with my God in whom I will trust. He is my refuge and my fortress. David, he had an idea. It was, it was from a man's mind. It was from a man's point of view. And really what it shows me is that he had a lack of trust in God. He wanted to be proactive and take action and, and do things. And so many of us are like that. Sometimes you need to read God's word. And you need to realize that where he hasn't said anything, maybe no action is needed. It all comes back to trust. So who do you trust? 
are you trusting in your riches? Are you trusting in your health? Are you trusting in your friends or your family who all look like they have your back? Or does your life read like Psalm 91? Where you trust God? That's all I have for you this morning. We do want to offer the invitation at this time to anyone who has not obeyed the gospel. If you need to you need to be baptized, we can surely do that this morning. If you are already a Christian, a Christian and you have committed some sin in a public way and you need to confess that and you need to make it right, we can also help you in that. If you have any need of the invitation, we ask that you would come forward while we stand and sing.